Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, friends. Today we're sitting down with everyone's favorite food blogger, Jamie Milne, also known as Everything Delish. Thank you so much for having me. We can't wait to get into how Jamie went from being a grade school teacher to having over 265,000 Instagram followers and 1.2 million followers on TikTok. That's crazy and amazing. Thank you. Beyond impressive. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jamie, for shedding some light into our community here. Coco just mentioned that you started your career path as a teacher. So we want to know what the catalyst that made you leave teaching to become a full-time food influencer was. Well, firstly, thank you for that intro. Like, honestly, can you, can I, can I save that? Just so like I have that to hype me up on days when I'm feeling down because that was awesome. We'll send you a soundbite. I I love that. Um, Thank you. Honestly, I mean, listen, it's going to be almost six years of me doing everything delish full time. Long story short, when I was at McGill for teaching, like I always had a passion for food. Really just, I was that person, annoying person that when we went out for dinner with my friends, I would always be capturing like where I was eating, what I was doing. And I kind of became that person that people wanted to be like, okay, where do we go eat in Montreal? Like where's the best bar to go to all these types of things. So I was like, okay, instead of all of you annoying me, I'm just going to start an Instagram page and you can, you know, see what I'm doing and everything there. Didn't think anything of it. It was pretty inactive. If you saw my first Instagram post, you would be like, (laughs) you honestly would not even think that we are the same person. So it's crazy (laughs) to see how it's evolved, but you know, growing organically, really just kind of capturing content, not thinking anything of it. I come home a year later and I decide to do my master's of education at U of T living at home, commuting downtown to Toronto. But, you know, food has always been such a huge aspect of my life. And I started now wanting to showcase the Toronto food scene. So I was going out and finding, and I guess you could say like five years ago, we were seeing restaurants create Instagram-worthy food. Mm. 
So, you know, they were tailoring their restaurants and they are doing, you know, with the wallpaper and things like that. And, you know, slowly getting into more social media, I really wanted to captivate that on everything delish. So I was going and finding, you know, like the gluttonous, decadent cheesecake on a stick, you know, <laughs> all of these crazy kind of concoctions that, you know, honestly, we really don't see anymore. And I would be in class and then I would, you know, run to a Toronto market where I knew that they were doing, you know, some like crazy Cheetos mac and cheese or something like that. And I started posting video content on everything delish. And I would say there's like one pivotal moment. It was cheesecake on a stick. Like, I wouldn't think, like, honestly, I thank Cheesecake on a Stick for where I am today. Um, <laughs> here's Heirloom Toronto. I have to shout them out. Heirloom Toronto, like, really, I am... Um, I went there. It was a rainy day. I had like maybe 10,000 followers on Instagram and they had this epic giant cheesecake and they would dip it in Nutella, like smother the entire mass of cheesecake, like picture it on a stick. And then they'd put caramel and like nuts and more Nutella on top. And I went to shoot it, posted on Instagram. Next thing I know, hundreds of millions of views from BuzzFeed mm. to Food Network to Cosmopolitan to nine, like nine gag, like all these huge publications. And it was the first time, well, one, the algorithm like really wasn't a thing back then. So I would be getting, you know, nine gag had 46 million followers at the time. Wow. They post me and I was gaining 20,000 followers. It was just Holy. insane. And I'm in class, you know, like substitute <laughs> teaching, going to night class. And I'm like, nine gag just posted me I call my parents and they're like sorry gag what like <laughs> what are you talking about and I'm like nine gag like this is huge and after that I started to see that you know the followers were there like video content that was the start of really like the video content really started to take off on social media and then I also kind of took that opportunity this is the first time that my name is impressed right so I was like I right. want people to know me as Jamie Mill not just you know I could be a 75 year old man with painted nails like people didn't know me they didn't <laughs> know my personality so I right. you know introduced myself to my audience and then I started seeing more brands reaching out to me. I started seeing, you know, an immediate connection with, you know, this platform and the community. And slowly, I was losing interest in teaching. I'd be substitute teaching and I'd be checking everything delish every five seconds. Like, probably I shouldn't be saying that because I was liable for a lot of kids when I was, you know, <laughs> substitute teaching. But, you know, I'm like was addicted to my phone. And then I started seeing the brand partnerships come in and Mir Glenn Organic Roasted Tomatoes, General Mills was my first ever brand partnership. And they paid me $500 for two videos. Okay. Like now we can like, we talk about those, yeah. you know, it's just crazy how much it's evolved. And oh that video I posted for them went viral again, because I had all these news outlets and eyeballs like on my feed. So now they were looking for my original content to repurpose it for their channels. And I'd be like, well, I saw the growth from what happened before. So of course you can do that. And really like that, my first branded ever post was on Insider, like same thing with the cheesecake on a stick. And it really just became a point where I could not balance the two. And I never like had my own classroom, but I was substitute teaching for two years and I fast tracked my master's. So I worked throughout the summer so that I can get it done a year early. And I said to my parents, like, I have something here and I think I have to go with it. My boyfriend, my family, everyone was so supportive. And 
now, six years later, we're here. And I took that leap of faith. And honestly, I think it was the best decision that I made. You said something that stood out to me there. There's a lot of food blogs and they're all about food, but you were smart enough and savvy enough to take um, the idea of you posting the food, but then put your personality behind it rather than being a 75 year old man with painted nails. You're like, hi, I'm Jamie. And then all of a sudden, instantly, there's a connection, a human connection. I think that that is a beautiful thing for all of our listeners to listen to. People want to connect with people. A hundred percent. So you can have really great photos and you can have really cool memes, but when they know the person behind it, that they're supporting it, it just, you can just see why your success gained. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, there are so many food people on social media, especially with new platforms popping up, you know, we're seeing food really like stand, you know, out and take over these platforms. And from the get-go, I was like, what, like, how can I stand out? And for me, I was like, no one can replicate who I am, my story and my personality. So I knew by, you know, sharing with my audience, okay, I was a teacher. I left teaching full time to do this. It, I became more of a relatable figure, if that makes sense. Exactly. hundred totally. percent. So that's a pivot. If we ever heard one, Jamie, going from being a teacher to a food influencer. So what did the people around you say and think when you made that transition? Was your family supportive of this decision? What did your friends say? So my parents, I think, like, obviously were hesitant, right? Like no one knew the term influencer. No one knew what a blogger was. And my parents, like, they only had Instagram to follow, you know, me and my sister. Like they, they didn't understand social media and kind of, you know, what it what it is now. And, you know, I'm so thankful how supportive they were and my sister and my parents and my boyfriend, but not going to lie. I had a ton of negative feedback from close friends and family who would say terrible things to me, you know, like what a shame you went to school for seven years to become a teacher and now you're not teaching. And even now, you know, people will say to me, you know, well, great. You, you have a career to fall back on. And I'm like, I don't think you say that to, you know, someone else that, you know, let's say someone put their job to start a restaurant. Are you going to be like, well, no worries. You got an accounting degree, so you can go be an accountant whenever, you know, I don't think people realize what they're saying, but something that I got all the time and it really used to bother me. But now I think it's so crazy to see the people that were so quick, you know, to be like, what a shame that, you know, you wasted this degree. And now they really are like, holy crap, look what you created, you know? How did you, how did you get through that time though? Like you really have to be strong, especially when there's this, there's this kind of conversation out there where it's like, you're too smart for Instagram, you know, this whole idea that like, what a waste, like you're so smart, but, but then look, Instagram is, has created a full industry that has basically replaced traditional media. How do you get through those times where the naysayers were probably really loud? I think that honestly, I just have to remember, you know, like why I started. And I think about the community that I've created. I think when I look back on everything delish and I see what I've created. I think to me, the most important part of it is, you know, connecting with my audience and 
you know, connecting with millions of people and, you know, really just creating this amazing community. And, you know, I take that and, you know, when I get these messages that are so heartfelt and I'm the most emotional person, so I cry all the time. Um, but like, you know, I, I read all of my direct messages. I read these comments. And when people say to me, you know, when you talk about your anxiety and about how at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, you were extremely anxious and scared to go to the grocery store and you channeled that energy into cooking, you helped me get through a difficult time because I knew that someone else was going through this. And I think, you know, when I share those stories and, you know, those types of, you know, messages and connections that I have, I think about those people that said what they did. And I was like, you know, look what I'm able to me do. Now. Hey. Yeah, like through, you know, food. And I think that, you know, I think, I, I mean, I hate when it's like, look at the brands that I'm working with. But I think that when people see, you know, the sponsored, you know, partnerships and how much work goes into it. And when I'm being, you know, honest and authentic about my behind the scenes and what a day in the life looks like, and I'm stressed and this and that, I think that people get more of a better idea kind of that, okay, she doesn't just post on Instagram full time, you know, you right. know, this is a, a full time 24 job. hours, yeah. seven days a week job. My neck is like absolutely yeah. hurting. I'm like 90 <laughs> years old. Like that's how I feel. I <laughs> like literally I'm like, like fixing my, po- now I'm fixing my posture. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody always wants to know, even though there's all of these naysayers out there still, even about Instagram, everybody really wants to know how to grow a following. They, when you think about businesses from being your own independent person to like massive companies, everybody's trying to figure out from an algorithm to how to get followers. How did you grow? I guess you kind of answered this question before about going viral, but that got you to a certain point. Right. You have to keep it up, right? You have to not only keep it up, you have to keep reinventing. Um, how do you continue to grow on Instagram? I think what, well, you've pointed out a word that honestly is, cannot be more true. It's about consistent, like constantly reinventing yourself on this platform. You need to adapt to the trends, the viral videos about what's going on. So for me, I went from restaurant photos to putting myself out there, sharing my story, viral videos. And then for about three years, I would say, yeah, probably until like pre-pandemic, I was posting my travels and restaurants mm-hmm. and I never posted about food and I mean my own cooking and I love to cook. Right. I was just nervous that, listen, I started with restaurants and I wanted to keep with my, my bread and butter, which was this like food, porny, gluttonous, you know, concoctions, desserts. And so came the pandemic, all of my press trips got canceled. All of my long-term brand partnerships got canceled. Everything just shut down. And like I mentioned before, I was an anxious wreck and I could not listen to the news. I couldn't stand to be on my phone. I was just absolutely like I was in a very, very dark place. And I, like I mentioned, I channeled that energy into doing something I love that I neglected for a very long time, which was cooking and was creating recipes. And I started sharing that and sharing my personal anxieties and my struggles and stuff kind of tied the two of them together, started my TikTok not knowing what the heck TikTok is, just knowing that like I have to be on it. And also side note, six years ago, if you would have told me that I would be on another platform other than Instagram, I'd be like, you are crazy. I would be like, there's no way Instagram is here to stay, which I truly believe it is. But I didn't think that something else would come so quickly, so fast and would just blow it 
honestly out of the water because it, you, yeah. you can't top the engagement and what's going on in that platform. And so now when I started posting those recipe videos, which I have to teach myself, you know, like I didn't know how to cut a video. Like I only knew it from a restaurant style, but then to do my own handwork, get a tripod, do all these things. Like it was a ton of work, but you know, watch tons of YouTube videos, watch people on TikTok. And then I slowly started to see my TikTok just grow from these recipe videos. And I could see, okay, like recipe videos is something that people are relating to. And I started seeing my audience on Instagram actually, again, get a more personal connection with me because food brings people together, like recipes, mm -hmm. like you would not even believe it. It, it is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I started again, you know, before this, the pandemic and, you know, traveling and stuff, my engagement was okay. Was I growing? Sure. But was it significant? No, not at all. And it wasn't until I started posting recipes and going on TikTok and really just putting myself out there more and showing myself in my recipe videos, because I think they're, again, the relatability factor. It's not just handwork. You see me actually putting the ingredients, kneading the dough, doing all these things that people are scared to do. And in the last, I would say six months, I've grown on Instagram, like almost 80,000 followers. Like it's, it's, Whoa. it's crazy. Totally. It's crazy. And I haven't seen growth like that. We all know, like no one is growing like that. Yeah. Um, and then it was again, reinventing myself. Okay. Reels happened in September, you know, being one of the first people in the platform. Okay. I went crazy on reels posted 39 before launch day. And people were like, did you get hacked? Like, what is going on? Why are you posting these short form videos? Like what is going on here? It's not okay. And I saw a huge success also from reels and reels mimics TikTok. So I was able to repurpose a lot of content. And I think it all goes back to reinventing yourself, right? If I didn't start mm -hmm. doing recipe content, would I necessarily have started TikTok? Would I have seen this growth? I think it all, you know, contributes to one another. Yeah, you, um, just as a side, Jamie, in the beginning of the kind of locked up first lockdown version one, um, we were struggling as a PR firm. So in the other part of our business with Halo and just figuring out how we could pivot with all of our clients who depend so heavily on traditional media. And I remember you had posted that you were talking to different agencies and giving um, kind of like these classes. And, and I reached out to you, I'm like, would you talk to Halo? And what was so amazing about you is that like in your background, you had this teaching background and you're not um, selfish with it. You're, you're like a natural giver. And that, that makes sense why you're successful because it comes back to you very quickly. Um, you're, you're, you share these secrets that everybody kind of hides. You're very honest and open with your information. And I think that that helps with why people love you so much. Um, but yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, like you can't see people as competition, especially, you know, businesses right. and how they have been impacted during this time. And for me, like you mentioned, you know, I was doing nothing at the beginning of the pandemic other than cooking. Like I mentioned, all of my brand partnerships were on hold. The media world just went to a complete, you know, standstill, but engagement on Instagram was an all-time high. I like it, I remember it was just crazy high. There were so many people on their phones. And I figured, you know, this could be a time where I could give back, like you mentioned, and I can, you know, I have connections on Instagram, I have connections on TikTok. Like, why can't I be that person that is, you know, showcasing what works well for me in hopes that, you know, brands will want to implement these strategies into their plans, right? Because now we're seeing, even now, I talk about TikTok all the time, but I think brands are very nervous 
to activate yeah. on that platform because it's new, right? So the more that I can share about the success and, you know, like the case studies I have, the more likely that they are to, you know, start activating there. You just want to know. We're here for all of it, Jamie. I think it's funny that you said prior to becoming more of a food influencer and focusing just on your recipe content, that you were focused more on a lifestyle umbrella, your travels, the people in your life and all of that. And it's Mm -hmm. like, do you find that people are more successful focusing on one thing? Obviously you found success focusing on food over the past eight months. But for those people trying to now, navigate their niche on social media, what do you say to them? I don't think you need a niche necessarily. I think that just because, for example, like I love food and I post about food, but in the last few weeks, I am obsessed with interior design. Like something that I've just, I'm obsessed with. I want to, you know, I'm in my parents' house right now. I want to move out. So I'm looking about, you know, <laughs> these places that I can be, like I can get it right now and furniture and all these things. And I started doing polls on my Instagram. Okay. Which kitchen, what's your dream kitchen, this kitchen or this kitchen. And my engagement skyrocketed on my stories. It was insane. And people were like, I'm screenshotting your stories and these bathrooms and that sofa and all these things that I didn't think that people necessarily wanted to see. I was doing it because that's something that I, that I enjoy, right? Um, so I think that, you know, if you truly are sharing things that you genuinely love and you have that mm-hmm. open, authentic, you know, relationship with your audience, then they'll respond to the content that you're putting out. I think that, you know, everything ties hand in hand, right? Like food, kitchen, do it yourself. Now that I'm posting myself in my videos, you know, I'm able to work with clothing brands because they want to dress me for, you know, my recipe videos because people are asking me like, what, where's your sweater from? Or like, where's your mascara from? Who's doing your hair? All these things that I was seeing before in a different way. You know, it was just through a static image, you know, of me with a crazy platter in a restaurant or on a beach. (laughs) But now I think that because I'm actually doing something with it and they can see me like in an action form. It's like a different connection, if that makes sense. hundred percent. And people are so nosy. Right. (laughs) True. We all want to know ourselves included. Everyone wants to know everything. I post my boyfriend. I don't post his handle. I like, no one knows his name. No one knows his tag. Like for the last however many years. And every time I post them, people are like, drop a tag drop a tag. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Still no. Still no. I'm like, I got to keep it like, you know, stuff like a little, you know, to myself. Um, Even with my parents, like, I think I'll tag my sister and stuff, but like, I'll never tag their accounts. I don't want people, you know, going and checking them out. Like, I feel like I have to keep, you know, people's privacy private. I feel like there's, okay, there's so much out there when it comes to food trends. Like, how do you stay on top of them? Like one day, it's the tortilla and the next day it's some kind of mac and cheese. Like how do you stay on top of them? And how do you know which one to run with? That's a great question because the food trends happen fast. And if you're not one of the first people to do it, then you're too late and then people are not going to engage with you. So it's a very, very tricky area to say the least with the tortilla trend. Saw it on TikTok. I'm not going to, I honestly mean it. Trends happen first on TikTok. You are seeing, you know, those viral videos that are going off with like hundreds of millions of views. If you, if you come across that on your For You page, you know that that's something that people are liking that other people are seeing and that you probably should do it, you know, in your own way or something similar. I think that in so much of social media and not even just food, but so much that we do, we're not necessarily copying each other, but we're looking at what other people doing and we're seeing what works well for other people. and We're tailoring it to our own channels. 
And I think that like it's such a thing in the food world, especially the tortilla trend. But for example, crispy potatoes, I saw like potato TikTok was trending on the For You page a few days ago. So I was like, okay, well, I need to go do a crispy potato, like ASMR crunch video. And I did. And I see the views come in. I know it's cliche to be like, no, you got to be scrolling through your phone, but you actually need to be scrolling through your phone and see like something stands out to you and it has a lot of views. Why? And how can you do that? You have to be actually like engaged in the culture of the thing. Like you can't pretend to be engaged in the culture and then expect that you're going to be able to make something pop. You have to really be in it to win it basically. A hundred percent. I think something that like I'm seeing like very frequently now on TikTok that's trending is supporting small businesses and, you know, small businesses showing how they make candles and cheese boards with the rice and the rice. I think I'm saying it wrong, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like how they like make all these cool crafts and it just now like that is trending and everyone is like the same with the tie dye. Like I remember when I got on TikTok eight months ago, my entire for you page is people doing tie dye in their bathroom. Right. So just seeing what's trending, seeing how you can tailor it to your own self and put your own spin on it, I guess. you can. I mean, that said, like, as I mentioned earlier, TikTok is like, I'm obsessed with it. I've tried to make like three TikToks. It's so hard. Anytime somebody kind of like poo-poo somebody who does that, I'm like, dude, have you tried to make a TikTok? Because it took me two hours to try the budget challenge and I didn't do it right. And then I was like, my knees, they hurt. (laughs) <laughs> I feel you. I feel so, you. I guess what my real question is, what's your perspective on the algorithm on TikTok? And then how did you grow as quickly? I mean, you've sort of answered that. How did you grow as quickly as you did? But yeah, do you have thoughts on the TikTok algorithm? Is it like, what's, what's up? I think the thing with TikTok is that they want people that don't necessarily already have a presence. Like they're all about the emerging star. And then I think Instagram did the same thing with the reels. So anyone could be discovered. And I think that's the thing with TikTok, it's like if you're keeping it short videos, you're using trending music, you're using specific hashtags the same way that you would with Instagram, then you're very likely to get on the For You page. There's all these theories about, okay, how many people view your you know video in the first three seconds and then it gets pushed and this and that. For me, since having like a bunch of viral videos on TikTok, one of the most trending thing, or I guess you can say the correlation between all of them was one for me, voiceover recipes. So me talking through the recipe, starting with a three second, like very like food porny, you know, shot that is going to gauge the attention of, you know, your audience and make them want to, you know, see the entire recipe and watch the entire video. But also, again, the relatability is me doing the voiceovers, me showing myself. And then of course, burrata cheese. Now, <laughs> if you post a burrata cheese bowl, you're, you're going to do well. Um, And that was my first viral video was burrata cheese. And I took that and then I was like, okay, people like cheese, started going with the cheese thing. Then I did a bit of too much cheese and got called out for it. And people were like, okay, we want to see other things. You know, as I was growing, also taking the feedback of my audience, what they would want to see. So I'd be like, what's the next recipe you want me to do? And people would be like, mac and cheese. And I post mac and cheese and it would do well or wouldn't do well, but I would still continuously, you know, doing that engagement. I think that TikTok just has all these platforms within the app that just, allow for so much engagement and for a video after being viral, you know, the duet feature, the sound feature, all these things that just allow it to kind of explode. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I love these takeaways. I feel like everyone's dying to know how their video can go viral, so it's important to to cover these. And I feel like something that we should note is the fact that there's really not that many restrictions, it seems, on TikTok. I was going to say, even from a brand perspective, I work a lot with the alcohol spirits, like a lot of brands, and the restrictions that they have in terms of activating on Instagram when working with influencers and content creators, like they have so many guidelines and so many rules. But on TikTok, I can post alcohol there. Does that make sense? Like there are things that like a lot of brands are able to kind of get away with because you know, on Instagram, you post an alcoholic beverage and it's an ad, you need to make sure that there's no, like there's all these things that you need to make sure, right? That there's, you know, only one can per person and like it's a full glass. And very and safe. Right, very safe. It's like TikTok is oper- is operating in the way Uber did when it first came out, like in the 100%. gray area. Literally. And I think right? though, as it's <laughs> like more brands continue to, you know, activate on there, they're a hundred percent going to be more strict about these guidelines, like as they should be. Right. I guess you can say when I'm making alcohol content for TikTok, I'm going by the same guidelines as Instagram because I don't want to be flagged or anything in the future, you know? So I would say like, for sure, like, I think it's just like the wild west. That's what TikTok is. There's just like, literally you can post whatever you want. And just roll with you're it. You're good to go. Just roll <laughs> the with wild, it. wild west. Literally. <laughs> With that said, on Instagram, I feel like there's a lot of ways to block someone or delete negative comments and do this, that, and the other. So how do you deal with those obnoxious internet trolls who pride themselves on making a life out of commenting shitty things on posts? Don't even get like, first of all, before you even say that, what, I don't understand the past the gate. Like, I don't get it. Oh my it. God. That's, I don't get that's it. That's exactly like, could you I, see I me like, Google. when you're saying the question, I was like, uh, I'm ready to go right now. Like I'm addressing this once and for all what's going on. You're here first, guys. We've got the Listen up. Literally, listen up. This is the tea. Um, One of my viral videos took off because I created my own sound. And I was like, I love pasta. I will eat pasta every single day. Blah, 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 blah. Millions of views and millions of hateful comments. People telling me that I say, pasta the wrong way I guess it's the way that we pronounce it in Canada not pasta exactly so just I would get so many trolls being like it's not that way and then people would get into actual arguments like defending me but then also like defending someone else and they'd be like no this is the way that you say it in in Italy and then so I'd be like no that is not the way that you say it she's saying it wrong she's pronouncing the a for too long this and that and I'm like oh my god I, you know what? There's so many comments that were coming in. I just stopped looking. I was like, honestly, I don't care anymore. But then 
my voice started to become something that I was getting a ton of hateful comments for. People telling me that I sound like a Kardashian, which I don't think is a bad thing. Telling me that I sound like a valley girl, which again, I don't think is a bad thing. Telling me that I have a vocal fry, which I actually have to go look what it is on Google. So supposedly it's like when you, or you're like, hello, like your, your voice ends with like with a lower tone. I, I don't, oh I've never, I, I don't know. I think I have to go to like a vocal coach now. No, like to train my no. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But listen, at the end of the day, I, it's about my voice and it's about the way that I pronounce things and that people could be so cruel about that. And I kind mm. of took that and I was, I would post these comments on my Instagram stories to show people like, hey, I deal with hate as well. And I'm not saying that it doesn't bother me, but use me as an example to show that there are real people behind the screen and that, you know, you wouldn't think that making a hateful comment about someone's voice, you know, maybe would affect them, but it does, you know? And then I started getting on my Instagram, you know, writing that I sound like a spoiled brat and it was just a terrible comment. And I, I cried. I was like, sound like a spoiled one? rat. Like how, how does one sound like that? And what does that sound like? Literally, like <laughs> I was just saying a spinach artichoke dip <laughs> recipe. And then I get attacked that I sound like a spoiled rat. And I was so upset. This actually oh happened God. a few weeks ago. And I posted on my story, not like, honestly, not looking for like love from the community or anything, just as like a PSA. Hey, like be kind to one another. Why do we have to write hateful things? Like think before you, you know, act. Maybe it's the teacher in me, but I would never write something yeah. negative or mean about anyone mm. on social media or say it in person. And I really want people to like, you know, take that away and, you know, not do the same. And the love I got, mm. you know, and I you reached out to me and, you know, so mm. many people and it was just it reminded me that, okay, like, I don't care about these haters and I'm not going right. to read these comments and I'm going to leave that comment there. And then that person's going to be attacked mm -hmm. by all of these amazing followers and stuff, which I don't want, yeah. but you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it just reminded me that at the end of the day, I can't be worried about someone making those comments, you know, like this is my job. I'm doing what I love. I'm, you know, maybe pissing off three people, but in the long run, I'm helping so yeah. many other people get back into the kitchen and, you know, cook for themselves. And I think that's what matters most. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that brings us to the, the point of you actually taking a stand on social media. So you are rare in a grouping, I guess, a category of massive social media stars who, who happen to be white, but don't and take a stand on anything if it doesn't directly affect them because uh, they're not political and I'm using air quotes <laughs> and and you know they they just want to post fun things and they don't want to get into into to, into politics or uh, things that affect that are happening in the world but you've been really you know really open about standing up for black lives from anything from black lives matter to any kind of hate that happens in social media what made you do that and how do you do it so openly? I, I mean, it's a, it's a strange question because it, it seems like it's kind of natural to me why people would want to support other human beings. But I wonder in, in your space where people, their excuse a lot is, is that it's scary. You know, they're afraid right. to take a stand on something because they might alienate part of their uh, viewership. How, how do you justify that and how did you get to where you are? Well, honestly, from the get-go, for me, it was always, I have a platform and I'm going to use it to, what stand, to stand up for what is right. I don't care if you post about food. I don't care if you post about fashion. I don't care if you post about housing, cleaning. I don't care. You have a following. You have an influence. 
and you can change and you can help other people to do the right thing. And I think that at the end of the day, has always been my motto. Something that, you know, growing up, like I was always like trying to be like an activist and like always helping out and things. And that is something, you know, from the beginning I saw, you know, with everything delicious, you know, talking so openly when I was 20 years old about how I received hate from, you know, leaving a very secure job of salary and pension to, you know, run my blog full time. And I think by always having these open conversations and, you know, sharing these experiences and also talking about what other people are going through and highlighting that, you know, I want to influence people to do the right thing. And I can't tell you how upset it makes me and how differently I think about other people. And when I see that they're posting about God knows what during a time when they should be doing the right thing to the point where I have actually messaged other bloggers, sending them, you know, things that I'm posting and resources. And I'm like, I'm here to help you through it. Like, if you want to know like what I'm posting and if you want to talk about it, but you know, this is a resource or this is a guide, or this is something that I'm doing. And I think it'd be great if you shared it with your followers as well. And we can all guess what the answer is back, you know, <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Jamie, but I'm not comfortable doing that. And I would take it personally. I would be, I would be so upset even to this day when I think about Black Lives Matters and, you know, the people that did not take a stand or use their platforms. You could see the anger in my face. It makes me so upset. Yeah. And I will, you know, even recently with the election, like I posted about, you know, voting for Biden, getting out there and vote, 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 because I have a U.S. audience can't tell you how many messages and how many followers I lost being like, you're Canadian, like stick to your own politics. I'm like, no, no thank you. You no. affect us, bro. You yeah. Everything you do there happens here too. hundred percent. And like so, North sure. America. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, my hypothetical vote matters, right? Like if yes. I can say who sure. I would vote for, even though I'm not American and I can influence someone that is American to, you know, maybe do the right thing. Then hey, I did a really great thing and I don't care about those people that unfollowed me. And I can't tell you, you know, anytime I speak up about anti-Semitism, any movement, you know, whether it's politics, Black Lives Matters, anything, I lose hundreds of followers. I get so many messages. I just don't care. I, I'm not going to engage with those people. Those are people that are following me. I don't want them to be followers anyways. Tell them, sis. <laughs> Very passionate about it. You can see that. No one else can see, but like my face got really red there. Like, <laughs> I love you. So Jamie, we've talked about TikTok. We've talked about Instagram, not so much Facebook, but do you feel that a new platform is going to make its way to the world? That's a really good question because like I mentioned before, if you would have asked me like, is Instagram here to stay? It is here to stay. But did I think that something else would come so quickly? No, I think that what we are seeing that a lot of people are monetizing on is OnlyFans. I'm not, you guys, I'm sure know what OnlyFans is. We do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, honestly, I'm not on OnlyFans. This is 2021. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we, oh all, we all know it all. Actually, guys, OnlyFans reached out to me to make an account. Get that money. Do stuff on there because they don't want it to be known for what it is known for right oh, now. Oh, really? They want it to be like, okay, you get a subscription, let's say to my channel and I will do exclusive recipes for you. Like stuff Ooh. like that. Um, oh, so not just like, not Jamie, like naked and naked. <laughs> my boyfriend would be so <laughs> mad at me. He'd be like, absolutely not, Jamie, you know it. And like, honestly, I think, I don't know. I think that 
it has a long way to come to get to that point because I think that has such a stigma like for what it is right now. I think for me, I've seen like the impact that TikTok has had on my Instagram, my website, and I started a YouTube channel and put the link in my bio two days ago and I have almost 200 subscribers. Congrats. Thank you. So I'm like, hey, I'm still have three more like, today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So <laughs> I think for me, I never thought to do YouTube, never thought I'd be good enough, never thought my videos would kind of, you know, take off on there. But again, we are seeing video content really take over every single platform. And now YouTube has introduced short videos. So they're trying to have like oh. mimic a Reels page. They're mm. trying to mimic the For You page. So if you post, like basically you could take your TikTok video, post it on YouTube and it will go into a feed that like is exactly the same. So that's something that I'm trying to experiment with. I am like trying to go in very open-minded, like not thinking that, you know, I'm going to have a viral video and wake up with a thousand subscribers tomorrow. But I know that these things take time. So definitely trying to try with YouTube. But I think that with these social media platforms, we're seeing, like I mentioned, video content just prevail. It's people want that video interaction. I think that it's creating a relationship with the content creator and the audience like no other. And I think that if a new platform comes, it will have to do something similar if that makes sure. sense 100%. all that said do you feel like you want to stay in the food space like food influencing space long term or I mean you said that you have like some other things that you're finding or being your interests um what do you think is to come for Jamie Milne that's a such a in-depth question um I loved it I mean, listen, I love food. I'm so passionate about food. I'm so passionate about the fact that food can bring so many people, so many people from different walks of life together because food creates like this community. I think that food will always be something that is a part of the Everything Delish brand as I have Delish in all of my platforms and names. But I think it all goes back to how I reinvented myself and food has been the only thing that has been successful each time I reinvented because not traveling now, not really like lifestyle content is there, but not like it was. And right now, you know, I'm supporting small businesses and restaurants, but again, really the focus is on recreating recipes and doing that stuff. So I think food will always be there, but it'll be interesting as I take the next steps in my career and moving out with my boyfriend. Hopefully he's listening to this and I get engaged, you know, he's having a family, you know, Uh these types of things. I think it'll be interesting to see how food kind of comes in for all of these, you know, next steps. Yeah. All the different stages in your life. It's it's interesting how social media can play a part. It, It actually thrives when it's really part of what you're actually doing. How do you film your videos? Do you use a tripod? Do you have your, I know your sister's in, in around. Does, does she help videotape you? Do you have a whole crew? How do we do it? So I am a one woman show. I am, uh, do everything on my iPhone. Long story short, and I will, I hope everyone will appreciate the story. When I started out, but like six years ago, I was going to restaurants. I bought a camera. I spent like a thousand dollars on a camera took it to a restaurant shoot with a bunch of vloggers and saw everyone laughing at me. And I was like, okay, this is so rude. Like, why are people laughing at me when I'm taking a picture? My lens cap was on the camera still, like as I was shooting. (laughs) Knew at that point that I would never use that camera again. And when I started posting like those very, I guess you can say like those photos taking on a professional camera, they also weren't getting the same engagement because I think people, again, they want to be able to relate to the type of content that you're producing. So 
they want to feel like, okay, I can go in my kitchen and I can take the same photo as Jamie because she's taking it on her phone. Does that like make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, always been an Apple user, always shot on my iPhone, still like my iPhone right over here. Like that is how I do it. And now that I'm filming myself, so I have a tripod for all of my flat lay shots and so I can get different mm-hmm. angles. And then I have a cell phone holder that I put in front of me that I'll film myself in between shots, like putting ingredients in. So like a little thing that I do is let's say I'm doing like a cup of flour. I'll break up the cup into a half a cup and then I'll do a half a cup overlay and then a half a cup me putting it in. So I'm having like, so that I don't have to shoot it twice, which is what I used to do. And it was just taking up way too much time to get different angles. And then I kind of, you know, found how to make it like work this way and taught myself how to use iMovie, edit, Lightroom, create my own presets, all these things. And I would say like, honestly, everything is done just with me and my phone. We're just, we're a pair. (laughs) (laughs) Love me, team. I love it. Honestly, sometimes my boyfriend will take a photo for me. Sometimes he'll be in the photo. Very unlikely that he will be. And then when my sister is home um, and she's not in class, I will beg her like in between, like she's eating. I'm like, please, please take this photo for me. And she'll be like, okay. And she knows the angle. So she's so good at it. I'm honestly so grateful to have her. I know we touched briefly on the tortilla trend on TikTok, but for those of you listening who don't know, Jamie's tortilla was actually featured in People Magazine. So we're wondering how that even happened. Like, did you wake up and people were tagging you in People Mag or did they reach out to you directly? So it's actually a really great question. I personally, like, it's always, I'm all into manifesting and it's something, you know, as I like work on myself and wellness and something that I share on social media, like I journal, I'm seeing a therapist, like I'm really into like self-love and writing things down and setting goals. And one of my goals of 2019 was to be in like a very big publication and I could not believe that like that wig was a thing I was like am I dreaming this is crazy but they saw my video on TikTok people magazine and actually a lot of the press that I've been featured in recently like from BuzzFeed and stuff they've all found my videos on TikTok so just like a little interesting note because I think that what they do is they go on like maybe it's the tortilla trend hashtag and then they can see you know the most viral three video or the top videos right there and then whereas like with instagram when you go to a hashtag and you see the trending photos i feel like they're from like 12 years ago Mm. does that make sense you know like it's not it's not recent and then if you go it's just i don't think it's like updated it could i could be wrong so i reached out i they're just like can we use your video and i was like sure didn't think that it was going to have a write-up and myself like and talked about my dessert tortilla wrap that I did and everything and it was just it was crazy and something that I did is you know I mentioned in my post when I posted it as like you know at the end of December I was feeling so burned out so anxious I'm sure you guys know I was getting last minute partnerships up until December 27th and then having crazy turnarounds after thinking after like a crazy year being like can I just get two weeks to like relax Mm -hmm, like and not do anything and then have my first pieces of content due January 4th it was just it was crazy and it was like a low point for me where I was like I need a break like I need step away I was burnt out I was feeling exhausted especially because I am doing everything myself um and you know coming back from you know a low point and starting the new year fresh and having you know that article I feel like it kind of put like a a new flame underneath me to like fuel me to kind of like you know be motivated again and kind of help me I guess you can say just be inspired and uh honestly I feel like I'm 
more like I'm so happy to be in people magazine but I feel like it just helped me start the year fresh again if that makes sense yeah totally I feel like you probably get asked this all the time but we're going to follow up with the, the question of questions. If you are talking to somebody who's, you know, in the social game and they're really trying to like up the ante, what is your recommendation or what is your, I'd say like top three takeaways or best piece of advice to making a splash on social? Okay, great question. First thing is consistency. If you are not posting, your audience is not going to know who you are. So if you go on a three-week hiatus, you can say bye to your followers. You know, if you are trying to, you know, make your mark, make your brand and grow following, you have to be consistent. So I try and post almost every single day. Sometimes I don't feel like posting, so I won't post and I'll be inactive. Like today, I haven't been on my phone, so I haven't posted any stories today, for example. And that's okay. Like everyone deserves a break. So I think consistency is key. And the second thing would be to be your true authentic self. I think that if you genuinely love a recipe and you are posting it because you worked so hard on it and you're happy about it, but it didn't perform well, don't get down on yourself. Like you are posting something that you love. And I feel like as time comes and you introduce your, you know, your audience to things that you actually like, they'll be more quick to respond in a positive way. So I think just if you are a food account and you love, like I do, like home interior, or you love clothes and you love makeup, show your skincare routine, show what makeup products you're using. Like the people who want to skip over it, they will, but you will reach new audiences by, you know, sharing things that you actually love and you're passionate about. So that would be number two. And then my third one would be to, this is a hard one. I would say when you are posting, I think that people get really like caught up in what hashtags you're using and things like that. And, and your feed, like people think that they have to curate this beautiful picture, perfect feed and that they have to use these like planner apps and this and that. And I listen to so many podcasts and I listen to people that work at, you know, Instagram and they say like, do not worry about your feed. Do not worry about how it looks. Like people are only engaging with you in the moment. So they don't care about if you have like a pink, red, green theme going on, they just are engaging with what's going on with you right there and then. And I think that is something that we're so like, they think about these aesthetically pleasing profiles. And I just, I'm like, you don't need to be wasting your time with that. And then again, with hashtags, you don't need to be using 50 hashtags, use four specific hashtags to what you're posting. So if I'm posting, let's say a spicy vodka pasta recipe, I'm going to use like vodka pasta, pasta, like penne, you know, these specific tailored hashtags to what I'm posting about, not the ones that are like food porn that have hundreds of millions of photos, you know, under their I love all of this. You spoke, (laughs) me too. You spoke about earlier about therapy, about anxiety. Before we wrap this up, what is your kind of, I kind of hate the word, the words self-care now, but what do you do to take care of yourself? For me, for self-care is to taking a break off of social media, putting my phone down. Something that I'm trying to do is like limit my screen time. So I would find myself like sitting at my computer in the middle of the day when I could be working and I'd be scrolling, just endlessly scrolling. And next thing I know it's 4 PM and I'm like, okay, well, I didn't, I'm now not going to meet my deadline and I have 12 emails I need to answer and I'm phone call and I'd be so agitated and I'd be a mess. And so I'm just really trying to limit my screen time during the day. I have no screen time after 11. I don't touch my phone first thing in the morning. I put it in another room when I wake up. I journal, I'm working out, like just doing things for myself. And honestly, you know, even though I am a food account, I'm like very much a mental health 
advocate and about taking care of yourself and, you know, speaking openly about that, because I think that people, especially during this time and the pandemic and everything, they need to know that they're not alone in like these thoughts that we have and, you know, their anxieties Mm -hmm. and that we all struggle and that, you know, people paint this perfect picture on social media and it's only 10% of the actual story. And so I think that now that I'm speaking more openly, you know, about therapy, about anxiety, about things that I'm doing for myself, like I cut out coffee during the week and it's honestly been life-changing and I have herbal tea and things like that. I'm like, people are like, okay, I, I love that tea. Like I also journal, what journal do you have? Like, you know, these things that you don't think that people would relate to, but they're really happy to see. Right. Got to take care of yourself, man. Even if you work on social media, it doesn't mean that you always have to be on social media, my friend. hundred percent. From Jamie. <laughs> that brings us to an end. As much as I'd like to keep this conversation going, Jamie, you're just like a wealth of knowledge and just the most positive and we love chatting with you. It's been so amazing talking to you. And we really appreciate you being so transparent and coming on Conversations with Coco and Friends. Um, to keep up with Jamie, Follow her if you don't already. The world follows her. But if you don't, (laughs) at everything underscore delish um, on the gram and TikTok. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. And honestly, you guys are also absolutely killing it on social media. I see everything that you're doing and engaging. And I think that you guys are really making your mark. And I love everything you're doing. So I just want to say that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Hopefully we can all be together in person soon. I hope so. (laughs) Hope we can see each other in the flesh. Cows, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Coco and Friends. You know what to do. Rate this podcast five stars on Apple and don't forget to follow us on Spotify. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.